0: All right, Revelation 21. Is this loud enough for everybody? Okay, because it, it always sounds different on this side. I notice that when I'm singing Sunday and all that stuff. You cold? It's cold. All right, well, I think John's got it. You can hear that thing rattle a little bit too. Revelation 21, we finally start a new chapter and there is so much here. So when you're looking at it, it's 27 verses. If I can do that in two weeks, I will. (laughs) I don't know for sure if I can do it in two weeks, but I'm going to do the first eight verses tonight as we just kind of get started on this. Uh, I'll kind of give you an outline of Revelation here in just a few moments that kind of helps you divide this thing up a little bit. But this represents a change. It's a new spot in Revelation the book of Revelation. So let's just read it first and then we'll back up and and think about it together. Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away and there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men. He will dwell among them and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no longer any death. There will no longer be mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Write. These words are faithful and true. And then he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give to the one who thirsts from the spring of water of life without cost. He who overcomes will inherit these things, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But for the cowardly and unbelieving and abominable murderers and immoral persons and sorcerers, idolaters and all liars, their part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Let's pause here and pray. Father in heaven, again we thank you for your word. There's so much here for us, it causes our imagination just to run. And so guide us as we think about it, help us to understand it in the context of all of your word and show us your truth. We ask it in Jesus name. Amen. All right, pretty spectacular, huh? New heaven and new earth. Let me give you kind of a brief outline of Revelation from where we are now. Okay, so it's chapter 1 through chapter 3. It's Jesus, the Lord of the churches. So when you go back and and read 1 through 3, you've got Jesus as the Lord of the churches. Then from chapter 4 all the way to chapter 20, you have Jesus as the, we'll call him the lion or the Lord, over the nations. And that's what you watch. You watch His judgment being poured out consecutively on the earth. So He is the lion. He is the Lord over the nations from chapter 4 all the way to chapter 20. Then when you come to chapter 21, this is where it changes again. So chapter 21, chapter 22, He is the Lamb, still the Lord, but He is the Lamb among believers. Because from here on, everything's the focus Everything will be focused upon Jesus as, as our Lord, as the Lamb of God, and how believers relate to him. So that's what's going on for the rest of the book, which is pretty fascinating when you think of it in those three categories. So we start with a new heaven and a new earth. I want you to know that the concept doesn't start in this chapter. It's in other places in the Bible. So let me give you a few of those, okay? Isaiah 65 Isaiah 65, I'm going to read you verse 17 through 19. This is what it says. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, almost word for word. And the former shall not be remembered or come to mind, but be glad and rejoice forever in what I create. For behold, I create a Jerusalem as a rejoicing and her people a joy. So if you heard those words and something kind of, you know, question mark popped up in your mind, I want to alleviate that question because I get this question a lot. People say, when we get to heaven or say a new heaven, new earth, like we're reading about here, will we remember anything from the earth? You know, will we remember the people here? Will we remember the relationships here? Will we remember, you know, that these were my children or I was married to this person, those kinds of things? And my answer to that is going to be yes. So when Isaiah speaks of this and he says that um, uh, the former shall not be remembered or come to mind, I don't think that means that it will be impossible to have any memory of it. Because, and the reason I say that is because Jesus died here. He died on the cross here. He rose from the dead here. Adam and Eve were created here. So, so I don't think what Isaiah is saying means that, that it's like gone from memory. It'll never come back. I just think that everything you think of is negative. Everything you think of is sin. Everything you think of is fallenness. Those things will, will not be imported from the past into the new. That, that's the way I look at that. Because, you know, Jesus took even his scars into his resurrected body. And there was no, there's no other reason for him to take something that represents brokenness like scars. There's no reason for him to take that into his resurrected body and into heaven unless it's tied to the memory of what he did. And the scars represent what he did for us. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I I get that question a lot, too, because people say, well, what about would I mourn over my own sins from the past? Would I mourn over people that are not here? You know, those kinds of things. And I think on this side, that's how you and I think about it. Like, I can't imagine being in heaven and, and not grieving in some way over people that I know that weren't there. But this chapter specifically says that there won't be mourning, there won't be crying there. But I just don't take that to mean that everything that ever happened on the earth will somehow be forgotten. That's all I'm trying to say. I don't, I don't have a better way to put it together because I know we're going to remember Jesus died. I know we're going to remember that we are redeemed. And one of the points that I want to make from the scripture here tonight is that which is better, Adam and Eve in their innocence or you and I in our redeemed state? And I think the answer is to be redeemed. Be redeemed is better even than what Adam and Eve had when they were innocent and without sin. That was perfection, but God's plan included fall and redemption. And so, to be a redeemed person on that side is even better to be than being Adam and Eve who never sinned. And so, that's why I don't think we totally forget, or that what the scripture is saying here means that we somehow can't remember the earth and the things that happened here. Everything goes back to that and what it means to be redeemed but somehow in all of that we're not going to weep and mourn and cry over the kinds of things that you and i are thinking of right here i wish i could give a better answer than that (laughs) but that's kind of where i am if there's no mourning and no crying it would be easy for me to think well that just means i can't it's not possible for me to remember what happened on earth but i don't think that's the case because we will remember things that happened on the earth that's how our redemption comes in yes yeah, we started here. You know, this is it. I mean, we didn't exist before we started here, and we were sinful here, and we were redeemed here, and we were redeemed by Jesus who came here, lived and died and rose again here, and I, we're just not going to forget that. I don't, I don't believe well, that. No it. That's right. But it's not going to. But we're not going to be in heaven grieving over our past sins because redemption wiped that out. The mystery of God. I mean, think of it like this. When you're talking about salvation, God doesn't make anybody believe. He doesn't make anyone stay in unbelief. And yet, God knows all things. So he knows every person, whether they will or they won't believe. But he doesn't make them make that choice. Now, that's just part of the mystery of God, right? Maybe when we get to heaven, we understand that better than we can understand it here. Maybe. Maybe. I think when we read about judgment at the great white throne judgment, they opened up those books of deeds. And, and what is demonstrated is that every person demonstrated by their life and their actions what they thought about God, what they thought about Jesus Christ. And so no one escapes the things that, that they deserve in the sense of whether they believed in Christ or they did not. None of us earned our way to heaven. None of us. But we're there because we believed in him and he made the way for us. Great questions. Anything else related to that before I go any further? Other than that, we're going to be like angels and there won't be male and female. Well, there won't be marriage. There's no marriage for sure. I, I, don't, I don't, and we'll be like the angels. I know that. Um, I don't know for sure if male and female part, if that's, if genders totally out of the question. I'm not 100% sure on that, but there's no marriage, no marriage in heaven. Hmm. But remember what we said uh, not long ago. During the millennial reign of Christ, you've got Jesus reigning on the earth. You've got resurrected saints who are in resurrected bodies living on the earth, ruling and reigning with Christ. Also on the earth are people who are just like us now, who are fallen. They're going to live. They're going to marry. They're going to have children. So it's going to be unlike anything we've ever seen before. Those people are going to live and die, but the saints are not going to die again. They're resurrected, so it's pretty fascinating. But by the time you get to the new heaven and new earth, there we're at a point where marriage, the purpose of marriage has has passed. You know, marriage first and foremost is is a way to demonstrate the relationship between Christ and His church. If you want a theological understanding for marriage, that's it. And that purpose for marriage will be passed when we get to the new heaven and the new earth. It's kind of like the temple itself. The tabernacle, the children of Israel carried the tabernacle around. It had a purpose. It represented the presence of God. They worshipped there. They sacrificed there. They did all those things. That tabernacle will be in the New Jerusalem, but it's not there as a place of worship. The whole place is a place of worship. It's there as a memorial. Its purpose has changed. So that's the way I think of marriage too. Marriage purpose will have been passed. Yes? Will there be no uh, no birth in the new heaven and earth? Well, when we get to chapter 21 on, there's not any mention of anything like that. So if there is, I don't know. The Bible's just silent on that, the new heaven and the new earth. Millennial reign, millennial (laughs) reign is different. But but this 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 is what I'm trying to say about the change too. This new heaven and new earth, this is after the millennial reign of Christ. Like it's not, this is not describing the millennial reign. It's not describing a thousand years. This is describing what comes after that. So it's a whole new thing. And, And frankly, between the end of chapter 20 and the beginning of chapter 21, I got a lot of questions. And the Bible doesn't answer them. You know, because we're so far away from that. So we got to finish the world as we know it now. we got to go through something called the thousand-year reign of Christ. And then when that's over, then you turn the page and it says there's a new heaven and a new earth. And the Bible doesn't fill in the gaps. You know, I, I want to know, but the Bible doesn't tell us. But, but that's where we are, a new heaven and a new earth. So when I read to you the verses from Isaiah, just know that Isaiah knew about this Hundreds of years ago, and he prophesied about it. So, what we're reading doesn't start in Revelation, it goes all the way back to the prophets of the Old Testament. Psalm 102, verse 25 through 27. Uh, You laid the foundation of the earth. The heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will endure. All of them, the created world, will grow old like a garment. And like a cloak, you will change them. And they will be changed, but you are the same. And your years will have no end. That's a song, you know, a psalm written. And it speaks of how the world will one day be changed like a, a piece of clothing that wears out. And, but God continues. And then Peter, 2 Peter 3, 12 and 13. So i a new another New Testament passage. This is Peter speaking of it. He says, we're looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. What was song? T- Psalm 102. you got to say it. What you're gonna read? Uh uh-huh. Then read, it, because we're all trying to figure out what you said. Okay. To, so Psalm, what you're Psalm. 102, 25 and 27. That's what I read. Do I? You want me to read that one again? You just talk way too fast. For us. I can't hear that. I do. I do read fast. I do. Let me Oh, you want me to? Let me read 102 again. Everybody on the same page? We're we're together. Psalm 102, 25 and 27. This is what it says okay. You laid the foundation of the earth. The heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will endure. They will grow old like a garment. Like a cloak, you will change them. And they will be changed, but you are the same. Your years have no end. Psalm 102. All right, 2 Peter. Thank you. 2 Peter, chapter 3, 12 and 13. We are looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, according to his promise, we look for a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. So Peter's saying the earth as we know it today will eventually burn up with fire. So I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, but let me just go ahead and put that out there. In theology, they debate, with the new heaven and new earth, how it worked. So this this thing Peter says, the earth burns up with fire. Does that mean God just melts it all down and starts over with it? The same matter? You know, it all kind of kind of like taking a piece of gold and melting it down and then making something new out of it? Is, is that what he's talking about? Is that what's going to happen? Or... Is God, is it going to be dissolved with fire like you're burning it up and it's gone? Like you burn up a piece of wood and it's gone. And then something completely new, you know, a different kind of matter, like God created all of this from nothing. Is he going to do that again? Is he going to take from nothing and make something? And is that what the new heaven and new earth is going to be? And there's some wording issues that interpret that and make it kind of hard for people to know if it's one thing or the other. My view on it, I'm just going to tell you where I came down on it, is Jesus came to redeem this. You're made from this earth, right? You're made from this, and you're redeemed. And I believe that all of the world will ultimately be redeemed. So I come down on the side of God may melt all this down with burning fire, but then he'll take the same matter that's here and from it make a new heaven and a new earth. That's, that's where I come down. Yeah, just not, not do away with it and make something... Totally separate, but take this, melt it down, start over, so to speak. And I I say that because that's his love for his creation. He made it. He he saved it. He redeemed it, and he'll keep keep doing that. That that's my take on it, John. Yeah, I don't know. I don't have an answer there. Where are we going Where do we stay? Do we get a hotel? You know, I don't know. I don't know where we get to go. Yeah, it's like that's what I'm saying. When you get to this part of Revelation, I got more questions than I have answers. I'm reading what it says and I'm trying to understand that in the context of all the Bible, but I don't have the nuts and bolts of the answer. But I will say this: This reminds me of the same kind of debate we have when we think about when the Lord's going to return. If you're wrong about it, what does it matter? If you're wrong about whether this is going to be melted down and remade or done away with and something God makes something out of nothing again, if you're wrong about it, it won't matter. Because however it gets done, that's your new home. You already tried washing it clean. There you go. There you go. It's just, we're going to be there. There's a, I mean, it, that, it just pronounces it in chapter 21. There's a new heaven and a new earth. Here's your new place. So however, you know, it actually occurs, I don't guess it matters. It we'll be, be there. We will be there. Yeah. Okay. So leave the, up, the, new, yeah, the new heaven, let me say this about new heavens. In the Jewish mindset, the first heaven was this one that the birds fly in. You know, they could fly this high or they fly 500 feet, you know, first heaven. Second heaven is where the stars are out there, space. They didn't know how big space was. Like, we still don't know how big space is. But that's the second heaven. Third heaven is past that, and that's where God dwells. That's how they looked at it. So when, when it says there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth, it's talking about the first heaven and second heaven, the created part, not the third heaven. So to speak, Paul kind of talks about that. He says, I knew a man, whether it was a dream or not, I don't know. But he went to the third heaven. That's what he was talking about. I went to the place where God dwells. I wasn't just in the sky somewhere. He went to the third heaven. That gives you another idea of how that works. Now, the scripture does say there's no more sea. And that's kind of weird in verse 21. The no more sea part may literally have to do with space. You know, like there's no more sea like we think of an actual ocean. But it may be that it's, it's more figurative than that because in Revelation, as in other prophecies in the Old Testament, when it speaks of the sea, it's usually talking about people and it's talking about the place of the dead or the place of evil and things like that and then the sea. So I don't know if it's more figurative or literal on that. I kind of hate to imagine, I don't want to imagine, I could be wrong i don't want to imagine a new heaven a new earth that doesn't have a beach <laughs> beaches are great god made them they're wonderful if he's going to make another heaven and earth i'm going to think it's going to have better mountains and better beaches than we have right now that's just me so i'm going to lean toward the figurative side and again if i'm wrong what does it matter you know we're just thinking these thinking these things through I did say earlier that this is on the other side of the millennial reign, so this is not part of the millennial reign. It is after the millennial reign. That's what we're thinking of. Verse 2 and verse 3. John says he saw the new city, holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. The reason this is so spectacular is because when Adam and Eve were here, the community was really small. You know, It was like population two. The world was perfect, but there were only two of them. So they knew everybody, literally, okay? But in the new heaven and new earth, it's a whole city. And it's a so you think of, of Eden as a holy place, a perfect place where God walked with the only two people that were here. But now we're talking about a holy city with lots and lots and lots of people. And this is coming down from God out of heaven. And it represents a holy community. And we've never seen that before. This is something new. And when God says I'm making all things new, this is part of that. So you and I have the benefit of being in on that at the very beginning. Only we're in it now. So so the, the part of you that's eternal, you know, the part of you that's spiritually alive, that the Holy Spirit dwells within you and you know you're in a fallen body that body's going to one day expire it will get resurrected in the resurrected form it will live forever but there's a part of you that never ever dies you know a spiritual part of who you are that's the part that will of course be in it'll go from this life into the new world right into this new holy city and so we're already in it we're already participating in it but we've not ever been in a community where everything's perfect and everyone's perfect and there are just probably millions and millions and millions of them. That's never happened before, and it won't happen until we get there. Even the millennial reign is going to have a mixture of resurrected people and fallen people. It's not until you get to chapter 21 where you get to a place where it is everyone's holy, everyone's redeemed, everyone knows Christ, everyone relates. It'll be like Adam and Eve, but it's, you know times ever how many is there that's the new thing that's what makes it new and that's what makes it so spectacular and so when John sees this uh, that's the overwhelming part of it he describes it as a bride adorned for her husband okay I'm gonna tell you all the fun part I gotta stop here in a minute I'm running out of time I get to do weddings from time to time sometimes I think I'm the only one having fun at the wedding like everybody's so stressed except for me I'm having a great time so there's always this point you know I'm standing down front the groom is on this side and usually you know by the end the groomsmen are in bridesmaids if it's a traditional wedding there and then the music starts everybody stands and they turn and look at who they turn that way they look at the bride but not me I look at this guy Every single time. I watch this guy. I want to see his face when he sees that woman. That's what I want to see. Again, I'm the only one having fun. I don't know what's wrong with everybody. They don't know the secret. You're going to have plenty of time to look at the bride. Look at this guy. This moment's going to be over soon. You want to see this. okay? So that's part of the fun of a wedding. And when John describes this as as a bride adorned for her husband... You know that's what he's bringing out. It's just kind of that that magic moment that happens. You know, if they've done it traditionally, where you know he hasn't seen her, he doesn't see, he doesn't know the dress, and and it's just everything's there and every all the situations set up and and he's ready, everybody else is ready, and she walks through the door. It's just a special moment. That's why I say, look at the groom, watch the groom. I have that in my books too. You do? Watch the groom. Watch the groom. What it looks like. Yes, yeah. watch the groom. It's great. It's great. <laughs> But, you know, you see what John's doing. He's drawing off some of those most powerful moments that we ever kind of witnessed. And he's saying, that's what it's like. That's what it was like when the holy city started to come down. That's what it's like. Now, we hadn't read it yet, but it, it is here. The angel is going to say, let me show you the bride. And he takes him to see the city. So the city is the bride coming down from heaven. It, it's the people. It's the people. We are the bride of Christ, and that makes perfect sense when you think of it that way. Then the next part, he talks about the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them. He goes on to say, he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. So if you want to know, like if you want to just boil everything down in the whole Bible and say, what's this really all about? This is what it's about. There is a God. He made us, and he wants us to be with him. That's as simple as it gets. And when you go through all the Bible and everything that happens, the ups, the downs, the sin, the salvation, everything, redemption, when you get to the end, this is what it comes down to. He's with us and we're with him. And that's what he wants. That's relationship. We don't have any better way to describe it Other than relationship. God has always been. In Adam and Eve. God walked with them in the garden. At the end of the book. He's with us. We're with him. It's the same thing. The whole Bible is a story of God pursuing his people that he loves that are lost. That's the whole thing. That's all of it. And it ought to make you feel good. (laughs) You know. It ought to make you feel good. So when you go through your little bumps and bruises and difficult times in life. Okay. Just know all that's temporary. All that's going to be over soon. It'll all be done. Kind of like Judy having surgery Friday. You know, you got to do this. You got to do that. Then you got to have the actual surgery. But it's all going to be over soon, right? And then things get better. And and in some way, our whole lives are that way. Everything we go through, when it's all done, we're going to look at it and go, that was a speed bump. You know, it was a mountain when I was living through it. But now that I'm on the other side, it's a speed bump. That's all it was. Just a speed bump. That's it. Okay, so it is 6.50, and I am almost going to stop there. Let me finish verse 4, and then I'll stop. So it says, the former things have passed away. And this is kind of what we were talking about, Julie and Jimmy, earlier. No tears, no sorrow, no death or pain later we're going to find out there's no temple there there are no sacrifices it says there's no sun, there's no moon no darkness, no sin, no abomination I mean all that's in the scripture here and you know I don't know how to take that exactly except to say it's, it's probably more figurative than it is literal okay God made all of this with a sun and a moon okay the new heaven and new earth if it doesn't have a sun and a moon like we think of it it's going to be something even better Maybe that's the case, but it's probably a way of of describing that there's nothing that in any way would be negative. There's never going to be night, you know, so there's no sun, there's no moon. Maybe there's never going to be night. There are no tears, there's no sorrow, there's no mourning, no pain, no death. Anything you think of that would be negative in some way, all of that is passed away. All of that's gone. All the things that would be kind of a tag or a reminder of sin, all those things are gone. Every single one. That's what he's talking about in verse four. So that will bring us to verse five. And uh, I will pick that up when we, I'm going to make myself a note. That's where we're stopping. So, Judy, we only made it to verse five. <laughs> only made it to verse five. But there was so much in the first four verses. So, this will be part one on the uh, recording. And we'll get that uploaded. And we'll just, it's probably going to take two or three of these to work through the whole thing. But this gets us started in the right direction of what it means for us to one day go to a place called the new heaven and the new earth. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, you just blow us away when you give us something like this. I know that the saints hundreds and hundreds of years ago had glimpses of this. And, and some of them saw and they knew and they wrote about it and they talked about it. And, and for centuries now... The subject has come up among your people, and we still are just amazed by it. We can't figure it out. We have more questions sometimes than answers, but but what we do know is spectacular. We thank you for the promise of a new heaven and a new earth. We know we go there. and Whatever that means, we know it's good because you are good. So we ask you to help us to remember these things and to share these things as much as we can. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, thank you for being here tonight.